episode 206 above ground podcast coloring outside the lines with kelly kane disclaimer the host of this podcast timothy patrick and will foley are by no means medical professionals however having lived experience with mental illness themselves they have gained useful perspectives on common mental health issues that some of us struggle to overcome on a daily basis by sharing their stories they hope to create connection by creating connection they hope to help you find your purpose and through purpose we can all begin to build the foundation for positive mental health. This is Above Ground Podcast. Coming at you live with real conversations about mental health from the peer perspective. it's time for Above Ground Podcast. Now your hosts, TPP and Will Foley. Hey, what is up everyone? Welcome to Above Ground Podcast. Above Ground Podcast, because you can't serve below. <laughs> No, you cannot. What's up, TPP? What's going on this morning, my friend? The dailies. The dailies, the usual, you know. All too well. Taking All too steps. well do I know. <laughs> All Taking too well steps. do I know. So we do here. We take steps. We take steps towards, we take steps away from mental unwellness to mental wellness. So that's what we do here every week on Above Ground Podcast. Dude, we got another interview this morning. So why don't you lead us into our guest this morning? Uh, really, there's no uh, there's no better way to just uh, Kelly Kane. She just came out with a uh, new book, Angel in the Mirror. We'll let the conversation do the rest. So welcome, Kelly. <laughs> Hi, thank you for having me on. You guys are fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Give a quick rundown of who Kelly is, where Kelly was, and, and where she is now. Briefly, I am a rating specialist. I'm I focus more on kindergarten, so that's about five or four different kindergarten classes. That's my daily job. But when I was doing this, I've taught for 20 years and K through 12, 12th grade, right. And I was middle school transitioning to high school when I was hit by a drunk driver and had a brain injury. And that was where the other half of Kelly had to unfold and come out because there were so many things that I lost that I was not able to do. I could not walk, talk, remember things minute to minute. It was, I was deemed on paper mentally disabled for um, 1.5 years. And I say it like that because when you're in that state, it's just, you're counting every second of when am I going to get better? When am I going to get better? And so I had to take the road to recovery with physical therapy and neurofeedback where the wires are hooked up to your head and you're trying to retrain your brain. I had a neuropsychologist, psychologist, physical therapist for my neck, back, body, hips, hands, two different ones for my hands. It just went on. And we've talked about this. I've talked about this with you and Will about getting out of the drugs that you are prescribed that you're on. I was on Percocet, Xanax, Flexeril, that's muscle relaxer, all of it at the same time. Just, and I'm a small person, so I can't believe that I made it out without you know, staying on those pills and, and needing them. Um, and that took a homeopath. It took a shaman. So the whole spiritual side came in where I started becoming a Reiki master and doing work in shamanism. And I took the spiritual route and homeopathic route to start healing. But you know, when you're healing from this stuff, mental awareness, you end up healing a lot more that was already there before the accident. <laughs> So that's where the dark, diving into my darker self and the shadow work and just really healing those darker sides that you don't want to show anyone. You know, you're not 
when people see me, they don't know that, you know, there were times that I was in my hot tub drinking, you know, a bottle of wine and just sob crying. You don't see those things, you know, but I wanted to talk about all of this because it's okay. To, it's funny. I saw about you guys this morning coming on the podcast and because I'm a kindergarten teacher, you know, we teach them color inside the lines. You got to stay and try your best to stay inside the lines. But sometimes when you're healing, you, you color outside the line and it's just out there. It doesn't mean that your picture is any less great. Maybe you could fix it. Sometimes you actually cannot fix it. And you have to learn to accept that and just, okay, well, that's now part of me. So a lot of that was acceptance of what I was left with um, brain injury wise. I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I got to say, you got, you're doing pretty damn good writing books and everything else. I mean, like, and we've been, we've been fortunate enough to meet in person. Thank goodness. Yeah. Cause it's not like I, some of our guests, we don't actually get to physically meet in person, or at least we haven't met all of our guests yet physical proximity yet, but it was very nice to meet you at punk rock flea market. When we were, when we were there back in April, was it March, right? March, right. Was it March? Was it? Was it, it went was so it? fast. It feels like, yesterday. oh my God, it does. It does feel like it's <laughs> like, it's hard to believe that a few months has gone by nearly. And I apologize for cutting you off, but I just, no. I, I, so you not only have to deal with the mental part of it, but you also like physical pain. A lot of people don't, unless you've been through major accidents or you know, work injuries. Like I know people who fall, fallen off a scaffolding, gotten into massive car accidents that have had massive back injuries that multiple surgeries, you are on another level. I mean, you could have been killed. How does Kelly make the first step to say, okay, I know I'm not well right now and I need to be well. Like, where was it in your journey that you found that overcoming all of this was actually creating a possibility of more problems that you were going to have to mitigate and kind of head off? That is a great question. And I get asked that a lot because, you know, my journey developed, but it's like, where do you start? Where do you begin? And even talking about, you know, my building has 1000 people in it. So it's easy. And I'm a research person. So for me, it was natural. Let me go find others like myself. So when I'm sitting and waiting for my neurofeedback, whoever was sitting in the waiting room, you're chatting with them. If I'm at the physical therapist for my hand, you know, I'm sharing stories with them. And that's my gift is the gift of gab. It's what I do all day long, right? I think that's also why my speech came back so well. Oddly enough, I didn't lose any of my Spanish that I studied for 30 years. It was so weird. I got hit right here. So where did I start was I obviously hit rock bottom. There's no way. There's there's no sugarcoating it. Yeah, what is, but what is rock, like, what is rock bottom? Like, how did you, how could you decipher rock bottom for you? And I'm sorry, because it's just, no. it's, there's so many layers to this because yes. you're dealing with, like, you're dealing with every emotional possible layer there is because you're dealing with the physical anger of someone literally taking your entire life away from you of what you thought was your life to give you the life that you were obviously meant to have because unfortunately things do happen for us as if, if, if we think in the positive way and I'm I'm, I'm trying to I be as, as positive as I can because I know that's a difficult thing the energy of it it was just like I was just like whoa this is just no I get that a lot and that's okay there are so many levels you know I'm trained and I do the work so rock, rock bottom to me was I could not stop crying 
I couldn't make a sentence. This was my brain. I had no memory. Like I was literally fighting with my ex-husband and my son was only seven. He couldn't hug me. So I couldn't take any physical touch. I couldn't remember what I was saying minute to minute. That was really, really scary going from someone who was lead to, oh my God, I, I don't even know where I just put something. Or what did I just say? Or I would be holding something and my brain would just tell me to let it go and it would just hit the floor so I could no longer carry things. For me, rock bottom was sitting there and going from 1,000 people and interacting to dead silence. Silence where you had to sit and really just replay anything that was ever in your mind that went wrong. Oh, it was so scary. Thank God I had the psychologist, the neuropsychologist for this. But you're also on all these meds and that played games too, like with your feelings and are you sleeping or are you not sleeping? Can you take it? No, because you've got a seven-year-old, you're, you're the only one home. So I'm going to stay in pain today because I don't want to risk my son. Those are daily choices that I made. But rock bottom was definitely when I knew I was on the Percocet, Xanax, Flexeril, and then it was, oh, I think it's safe to have a glass of wine. That's when you realize the spiral is like, wait a minute, this, this isn't going to go down well. This is not right. And just crying all the time. So that's why I started reaching out and find, I found one person who was around my age who was in a car accident and had a brain injury. And then I found another person and we were comparing stories and I would go to their healers or I would go to their chiropractors and just word of mouth. I kept pushing and talking to people and the reality is that at that time, my 1,000 span of people that I see every day, they weren't there. So it's easy to do now, especially since the pandemic, virtually, right? Everything's accessible virtually. So you could start there, reach out to someone online, and it doesn't feel like it was really hard to go in there and relinquish everything you've ever done wrong and every emotion you've ever owned to someone else that you don't know. That was so hard. And now I kept the same man for, I'm going, June 14th will be nine years that I've been seeing him. So love you talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> and I only have to follow up with him once a month now. It's called maintenance. So that's another piece is you never give up. There were times where I told him to go shove it. I hate you. I don't want to come back. I'm never coming back. This is a waste of my time because you're frustrated. There's that. I colored outside the line and there it was, like I'm raging. But, and then you step back and you look at the picture and you're like, no, nah, it's a really nice picture. Let me stop scribbling. I'm gonna go back in and start coloring inside the shape that I want and make it pretty. Maybe I'll change colors and start new. Everything was routine and you get like that as your teachers. Routine, routine, structure, 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 control, control. And when this happened, that was all gone. I now could not do anything without having someone to lean on. And that was such a new concept for me. Uncomfortable, didn't like it, felt inferior. Um, it, it was absolutely hard. Once I got used to the concept of change, everything got easier. Where was your self-love in all of this? How did the, what was the, like, if you can kind of, give us an overview of the scale of it. Cause obviously it was definitely on different levels at different times. It was low, <laughs> low, 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 because, you know, I had all these external things that defined me. 
I was running, rollerblading, um, you know, constantly on the move with my seven-year-old son. And, and then all those physical things that you could do got stripped away from me. And then, you know, you add weight and then you don't like the way your hair looks. I'm a girl, so I'm going to go there. And, you know, all these things that happened and it, it was hard, you know, uh, as a female, you know, you put something on and it doesn't fit. And it's not just, oh, it doesn't fit. Let me get something new. It's I don't want anything new. I, I loved that outfit. I used to be thin. I used to be, and it just replayed. And then to be told no moving sports was like, what do you mean? Um, so that's something that I did not get back. I have not been able to. When I did go back to rollerblading, I had to put a baby stroller in front of me with a gallon of water inside it like a child was weighting it down and had like everything I needed in it. And I just treated it like a cart and was rollerblading with a helmet on. Do you know how crazy I looked? Like the way that people looked at me on trails was like, does that lady think she's pushing a baby? Like, did, like, and yeah, I would pass judgment on too. Like, and I had a few ladies stop me and they're like, so I'm trying not to be nosy, but I'm curious about what you're doing. And I said, I'm not going to give up. I will not give up. I'm not being stripped of this. I can't do moving sports, but I can do them smartly. And so, I mean, but that's just my creative teacher thinking. Just try, get out there. Um, but the, I had to build that. You know, I had to find something else that I liked. So then kayaking with these. So I liked that and I started doing that. And then I started walking a little more, exercising, and I changed because I'm girl again, changed some outside things for myself. But it wasn't until I got back to teaching, I'm not going to lie, because I think that's why I survived so much. I mean, I'm a reading specialist. I've, I work with people with special needs for 20 years, grades K through 12. That's a lot of compensating tactics that I learned to survive. So I employed and used everything that I've ever taught any one of my students. And in time, hearing them and interacting with them, I would love that day more. And I would go home and I would cry, but then the next day I'd go to work and I'd be happy all day at work. Because when you're teaching and you enter the building, you don't exist, your problems don't exist anymore. It's everybody else, take care of everybody else. And while I was, um, healing from this my parents were both dying at the same time so I didn't have time to then have any more pity for myself I had to be power of attorney for them and I would drive to work and drive two and a half hours north to Albany meet with doctors and talk to lawyers and then drive back down and then wake up the next morning and drive an hour south for teaching I guess I, I just I didn't have a choice I had to keep going they did end up dying 36 hours apart during the pandemic. We couldn't see them. We were literally, you know, we were one of those where you're like this at the window trying to have your last moments with your parents. So we pulled my mom out during home hospice. That's a very humbling experience too, which is this month. So talk about mental awareness. This is a very hard month for me. It's Mother's Day. It's my birthday, but I also was doing home hospice care to let my mom go during this time. So we were on like the 11th day of doing home hospice care for her where we, we couldn't find my dad for 12 hours. It was only 12 hours. And he fell and hit his head and passed away before my mother even passed away. So 
yeah, I've been through it. And then I got divorced and I sold my home and I started over. So I'm trained to just go, go, change, change. <laughs> I'm seeing a theme here of, <laughs> of never giving up. I'm seeing a theme of you in a room with just a thousand doors and you're opening each one to take what you can. It w- was there, is that Kelly, like, did you have that inside of you your whole life? Or was that something that you just kind of, like you said, you had no choice? Yeah. Is that uh, what it is? It's just, you had no choice? Or did you have that fight in you, like, of not giving up? Like, you've been through, obviously, tons and tons of things and, and the hurdles kept coming and coming. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like they still do, but they don't match anything on the level that I was on. Yeah, no, I was always, I'll call it, stubborn, (laughs) Uh, uh, a lot of willpower. It was definitely after the accident. It's funny that I would always say, I'm not giving up. That's, this is not the end is what I kept saying. So there, there was no choice. And it's, it's funny because I've always been that person that works well under pressure. My sister yells at me all the time that I procrastinate and I'm like, no, I don't look what I've done. And I do that because we're siblings. We're very close, three years apart. And she said, yeah, but you waited to the last minute. You know, I didn't even write the book until she trapped me in a car and took me on a very long car ride and said, I've had enough of you. You're going to write this book now. I'm done. You're writing it. And I did. I sat down and I did it. (laughs) Yeah, I've always had that willpower. And you know where there's there's a will, there's a way. If, If I'm trying to go into the classrooms and teach this to the kids all the time, then I better model that myself. Absolutely. I, uh, to be honest with you, I've only kind of grown into my name over the last few <laughs> years. Like, and I've really adapted it too, because like I was given my name for a reason and I didn't use my name for a long time. I always went by my nickname. So it's like, you know, it's nice to be able to come back to self. Where are you now? Like, where is Kelly right this minute? You have had so much grief to deal with. And, and on top of, all of the physical stuff that you've already been through. Like, I mean, all the physical therapy that it takes to regain your ability to walk and then to be able to, to just to be, and then to have a, a, a child and have their life and everything else. Where are you now in your grief? Yeah. Uh, it's funny. Cause I was also thinking about that this morning. I always reflect before I come onto these podcasts and It's the first year that I'm actually not thinking. Um, Thank God I have the book signing on May 27th, the day before my birthday, because I have to be honest, for years on my birthday, I would hide. I would stay home and lock up and not respond to anyone and just be a little hermit crab. And I don't feel like I need to do that this year. So I've, you know, sold my home. I I got divorced. Um, That was two years ago. And now it's, when my when I brought my 15 year old home from base uh, a baseball game last night, he walked in and he said, "Ah, oh, it's good to be home." And you know what? When I heard those words from him, then I felt like, "Oh, I did it! I did it! I, I got to a safe space for both of us." And for him to be like, "Yes, this is home," which means wherever I am and we are happy. Oh, that's so. I think I'm okay. You know. It's true. As time goes on, when you've lost, lost someone and I lost both my parents, we became instant orphans. That was a shock in itself. Several holidays didn't feel right. And again, I'm going to use my son as a, 
an example, he said, wow, it finally feels like Christmas. And that was this year. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I, I decorated the apartment and ran and, and strung everything up. And he came home and said, where, where was all this? And I said, I had it. You know, guilty that I just couldn't bring myself to a place where I wanted to celebrate not very much at all for a while. But yeah, so I'd say very balanced. You know, I, I, this was important to me to get to help everybody else because I don't want people thinking one way to healing. Listen to what I'm talking about. In order to be what you see, I have seen a shaman for eight and a half years, a neuropsychologist for two years, a psychologist for nine years, the physical therapist I have in my back pocket, the masseuse that I've had for 16 years who saved my body. They're all still in my life and I still have to circle back and see them. It's like putting, you know, it's like giving your car an oil change. You got to keep up at it. <laughs> Routine maintenance. That's what I say. That's right. I want to, I want to talk about your book, but first I want the, the shaman. I, I'm interested and I know Will would be dying to hear how you, how you got in touch with a shaman and how it's helped you. Oh, well, <laughs> I've always had like a bit of that, that gift that I kept hidden. Uh, so that was very big of me to put in the book on the back half. So I did, I talked about the acid and I talked about the medical healing and I talked about uh, where I started. So I got hit and I went back to church. I went to the reform church. That's what I was trained to do. I went in there and I prayed, but I had a teacher at work um, and she said, you know, Maybe you need to heal your energy. And I thought, okay, uh, I'll give this a shot. And this, my shaman is actually a retired teacher from my school district. And she never let me reveal her name. And only until this book coming out, did she let me reveal her name. That's how sacred and quiet we were about our work because she's older than me. And even me being 45, we were cautious about how much of your gift are you really allowed to share with the world? Because remember back in the day, if I had mentioned any of this, people would be like, oh, she's weird. She's a witch, stay away. You know, now it's a little more open. And so I already had this underlying gift. I went back to church. I started seeing shaman to slightly heal my energy. And then it was, hey, wait a minute. You know that you're one of us, right? And then I started studying with her while I was becoming a Reiki master, um, yep, see, so I've done the Usui. I never say it, Dr. Makawa Usui. So I became a Reiki master. And all of that was um, designed at first just to heal my energy, to get the trauma out of me, to stop crying. And I did. But then when you're in it, you're like, why would I live any other way? What is this? So then I found my full tribe people. And now I have very famous medium friends that we're all constantly texting each other and supporting each other. And it just, I found my soul tribe through it and we chat every day all the time. And it's, it's another thing to speak about when you're healing, find your network. Everybody's network is not going to be the same. You know, not everybody has a, a spiritual, you know, partially psychic gift that they're going to go find the same people who can do that with. But, connection connection is so we talk about this all the time and just i had to just interrupt you because here it is again it pops up and, and connection is such a huge piece to this and you know that's awesome that you have had that 
well, look how we all meet, you know, I've met you guys too. That's all about connection. True. So, I mean, it, it just, you don't have to be this giant people person. You don't have to be a giant extrovert to succeed and do this stuff. Um, and it's funny because I'm really both worlds. Like I, I could be quite the hermit, the introvert where you don't hear from me for five days and I'm just, binge watching Netflix, you know, having a good time. I'm not, I'm not doing anything wrong. Um, it doesn't mean that I spiral down. No one needs to worry. Uh, my sister will send me a text like, are you alive? <laughs> yes, I'm alive. And so I just feel like sometimes you do have to pull back and put your energy back into yourself. You know, especially if you're a healer, even when you're doing podcasts and things, you're talking about people, you're hearing the story, you're putting energy out there. And, and helping them succeed and heal and energy exchange, it, it happens. So you do have to pull back and re clear it and replenish that. It is, it's constant work, you know? So that's how I got into that. I also had some kooky things going on around me in my home at the time, but that had to do with the placement of the home. And it also had to do with me. That was my energy that was like, you know, with a, a gifted person, it doesn't just stay here. It, it goes out like so when I'm around people they're like whoo I can feel you over here like take it down 10 notches and I'm like I don't have to tell you this is me <laughs> can't turn that down yeah what is it like for you now to have accepted and have you accepted everything have you been able to look at it all in a positive now Yes. And it's, it's funny, man. Are you partially gifted? Because you're asking everything that I was thinking about I, that this morning. I, we can get into that at another time. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I I'm, I'm a really big energy guy. Like I, yeah. I thrive on energy and I can at certain times, I'm not like this all the time because I'm a bad practicer of everything, <laughs> of everything in my life. I am a <laughs> shitty practicer. Okay. However, <laughs> and I admit I, that's, <laughs> my i you know i have you know that's my cork thing, so. cork boards will cork boards yeah dude they're right behind <laughs> me actually on the couch there's two of them on the couch that i gotta set up um, <laughs> but have you been able to accept everything and 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 actually i mean granted there's things that you probably will not even realize that you've had to work through until later on maybe maybe not maybe you've emptied yourself and now you've opened yourself up maybe that's why the energy healing so much it's funny because forgiveness has been something that keeps popping up and going around me. I, I was talking to someone and in the beginning when, when I first had the accident and I said, how long until I figure out what I'm left with with the brain injury? And he told me four and a half years, four years. And I lost it. Like I was throwing things in the office. I was screaming and he's like, settle down, black beauty, settle down, which is why we joke. That's why the back of the cover has me and a black horse because it was my, ha ha, we made it. This, you settled me, I, you win. I, someone asked me about the, the, my accident. And when I talk about my accident now, I immediately beeline for the brain injury and how to take all these ways to heal it. But that's not how I started. The way that I saw it when I started is, you know, F him, how dare he, how could he do this? And all he got was X, Y, Z. That was the punishment for this while well, I'm doing this. And I would say I probably stayed there for, I would say the full four years. And 
at the end of that four years, you know, my mom would always be yelling at me like, Kelly, I mean, you're working with a shaman. You have a psychologist. You've got to let this go. It's gone. It's done. You've got to let it go. And I had to do everything I can to let it go. And someone um, was being cute and supportive and they were like, how dare that? And went on and on and, and wanted to really get into it about, you know, the drunk driving part. And I just kindly was like, look, that's not the part I want to see. I said, everybody makes mistakes. I don't know anything about what happened that, that day for that person at all. Um, I just know what happened to me and how my life changed. But I wouldn't have wrote a book. I wouldn't have been able to heal my mother as she was dying. I was giving her, we were doing Reiki together. So now they're on the other side and I'm not driving to hospitals. I'm not fighting on the phone with lawyers. I'm not worried about, um, and don't get me started on diabetic pens. They were dying from diabetes and their pens, they couldn't afford the pens to stay alive. So when their insurance went out and it's like, you have this or you die, I would cough up the $400 a month my sister would do something, my brother would do something. And it was, we were all trying and I would call these doctors screaming about, you realize people are dying over a pen? Like this little bit of, where's all that money going? Anyways, that is how my, and my father had a brain injury too. I recognized it because he was rationing off those diabetic pens and that's how he fell and hit his head the first time. So I watched my dad have a brain injury before he died. So, oh, yes. So now I'm at a place where I'm not constantly running and worrying and, and fearful of them. A matter of fact, because I have a gift, which if you think about how this all ties in, that I got back to my spiritual gift and then my parents passed together. That's so odd, 36 hours apart. Unplanned, 36 hours apart. And like right before I, I come onto the podcast, you know, the cabinet door was wide open, which would never be open. And it's where the, my, something that from her home was sitting and my brother and sister are coming down to see me in a, a few hours. So I don't know. I just feel like they're stronger over there helping me now. That is very cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Like when you go into a place what is it like for you to like, what was it like for you at upstate punk rock flea market when we met that day? <laughs> like, what is it like for you to walk into a, a like an energy suck fest? Because there's so much, because, <laughs> because that's what it is. Like there's so many competing energies that if you're not very mindful of your own personal energy, boy, it can either go one way mm -hmm. or the other. So I'm just curious to know how you manage all that. Well, I always put, you know, protection around myself before I go into these big crowded spaces. And it's, it's inevitable if you could pick up on people's energy. You know, for me, if you, if you had a camera watching me, you'd probably giggle. But, you know, I go wherever I feel like going. So I'll start walking one way and I'll look at someone and you'll see me just kind of do this. And if I stand there, I'm fine. And if I walk completely away, I'm not fine. It's just little subtleties. I go wherever I feel like, you know, and listen, no energy scares me really at this point anymore because I, <laughs> I feel like I walked that fine line of just being lost, <laughs> like right up there, just being in a dark, lost place. And instead of 
falling off in there. If we're going to talk about lines and coloring outside, you know, I just kind of peeked my head around and took a good look, but then came back in. You just got to clear your energy and say a protection and just walk around with that confidence of, I always used to be fearful. I was scared of everything. I was scared of everything, scared of trying something new, scared of, you know, what people thought of me all the time. I was always people pleasing and the fear is gone. So I think that's the key. I let go and I am letting my little freak flag fly. <laughs> let it fly. Hey, you know what? That's how, that's how weirdness like spreads. And that's how, you know, we, we contact, you contact people like Will and myself, you know, we see it and we're like, Hey, I know that flag. You know? <laughs> so right. my freak flag's been flying proudly for many many years now 51 years now at this point so <sighs> i want to kind of touch on the angel in the mirror can you tell us a little bit about the book how it affected you did did you find it healing writing it and then you know just maybe some pieces throughout the book that you could just kind of share with others and um yeah where maybe maybe some places you can get i know in a couple of days you have the um the book event is that the 28th uh, may 20 well my birthday is 28th um may 27th is barnes and noble in kingston that's the book signing event one to three so writing the book was not easy i've tried for years and here's what happens <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing at myself because it's funny and it's not funny you know, I was supposed to co-join another book, and that's how I ended up getting TV Guestbert as um, a representative, becoming a motivational speaker, healing traumas in the first place. They're like, you're an expert. I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yeah, you are. And I'm like, no, I'm not. You know, so we had this fight, you know, like, yeah. So we, it didn't work out, and I kept doing the motivational healing. And well, when I was trying to write this, you would sit down and you would write a big part of it, like I just to start to write the accident, and I would start crying. So I would leave and I would take a break, and I would let it go for a day, and I would say, okay, I'm going to be a big girl. I'm going to come back and I'm going to work on it. And then you go to reread to get to a place where you could continue writing, and then I'd end up crying again. Like <laughs> you got to walk away. So I still couldn't add anything on, and it was this back and forth effect all the way through it was like everything new um and no one's heard this at all about the book it was only until I wrote this book and that was in January that I finally got the actual that I with my own eyes read the description of the accident and this man never apologized he never communicated he never did any of that um my cat's making a weird noise. I hope you can't hear that. <laughs> um, can you hear that? It doesn't matter. Cats are welcome on this show. <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry about Timmy. He's literally tearing it up. Um, uh, the back and forth approach to getting it done was, it was really, really hard. Um, I won't say I didn't have some wine while I was doing it. Of course I did. Um, I just don't want to tell you. I'm going to throw myself under the bus. Did I do anything else? No. But did it require some wine? Yes, it did. And I finally got to the point. Oh, so it was the first time I read the accident report. And in the accident report, it literally said the man was kept yelling, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. And like was literally written that way. And how healing was that, that I finally, I read that and I broke down in tears 
And I said, why didn't any, and I switched lawyers through my case because something happened. I switched lawyers through my case and this is in the book because I was seeing a psychologist, but of course he had PTSD. And the person who hit me was a retired New York City police detective. So his friends and insurance companies were all coming around onto my street and X, Y, Z. And that, that picture of PTSD is in here. So what happened is uh, the police officer that was helping me didn't realize I had a psychologist and showed up at my front door with white coats. Yep, I'm saying it. White coats for me. And I lost it. And my lawyer didn't answer my call at that time. And that was when that was when I made the decision I need to switch lawyers because no matter what I looked like, I mean, this was a real thing and a journey going on for me. And it wasn't something I can get behind. But um, just to rehash just some of those things, that's only a couple of the things that I've talked about in there that went wrong. So it talks about the accident. It talks about a little bit about the case. It talks about what uh, a neuropsychologist does and how I had to retrain my brain and what it looked like doing neuro evaluations. I had six of them and they're not short. They're very, very long. And they are not, it, neurofeedback is not cheap and they are not paying for it if you can't prove that you need it. So the insurance game, as I'll call it, um, thank God I work for such an excellent school district. That's all in there. And then that whole spiritual change is in there. So funny enough, if you pick up the back of the book and you try to just read it, you're really not gonna get all of that, how it's, that's why it's called Western Medicine and Spirituality in the Front. My 15-year-old picked this up and I said, you're going to read mom's book, right? Because he's only read a quarter of it when I started. He goes to his bedroom with it. I'm throwing him right under the bus. He's going to be like, I can't believe you did that, mom. He goes in the bedroom and he opens it up and he just looks at the table of contents. And all it says is like chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. He comes back out and he goes, you're supposed to name your chapters. I said, what are you talking about? You're supposed to name your chapters. I said, why? Because you wanted a shortcut so you could come out and pretend you read it. Of course, I was fighting with my son like that. He said, no, you're supposed to name your chapters. I said, says who? I said, Ethan, nothing is one way. You've learned that with me and life and look where we are. No, there is no one way to something. I wanted it that way. I left it that way. He goes, you should have named the chapter. But it was so funny. Like, this is what I'm taught. I said, it's funny how you're going to tell a reading specialist of 20 years how a book should be written. How about you read it first before? <laughs> He's going to kill me when this comes out. But he might not listen. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. You can always play it for him when he does something wrong. Because I, <laughs> I, I, I threaten my daughter all the time that if she wears something that is not going to be, <laughs> I'll show up to school wearing it and, and, pick, and pick her up. That's that's how it works. That's we're not playing. <laughs> so, oh, it was healing. It's healing. Yeah, but uh, I I think I like where I am. I'm okay with this. I really really love my job. I love the people in there, and those kids teach you resiliency. And especially, I have such a different uh, looking lens with my eyes. You know, when I go in there, um, you know, the world is theirs. And they're so resilient. You know, the fact that they could change like this in two seconds, if they start crying, you know, I just look at them and I say, why are you crying? Well, tell me why they're crying. And 
And, you know, it, it's so easy to redirect it. Well, how about we do this? Or what if we think about it this way? Or I share an experience about myself and they're like, wait, what? You too? Um, so a student got in trouble and they started crying. And I said, why are you crying? I got in trouble. I said, I know you're a good student, but I got in trouble. And I said, but we all get in trouble. Do you think Miss Kane hasn't been in trouble? Oh, I've seen the principal's office. And then they start laughing. I'm like, do you really think I haven't seen the principal's office? I've seen it. I said, and not when I was going to school, but I've seen it now. And they were laughing. It's just, it's easy to redirect and change, but you got to be open to change. How open to change were you prior to the accident versus now? Because you sound like, I mean, you you self-admittedly said it's all about routine and all about this. So <laughs> yeah. I'm assuming you're probably a pretty rich, were you, well, have you lightened up? <laughs> Because you seem like you could be a fairly rigid person if you allowed yourself to be. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not hurt by that at all. I was pretty well and tight. You know, I grew up. Uh, well, I, I wasn't think, insinuating anything. I'm just, no, 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 I figured no, no. I because I figured as a high strung person and someone who's literally like. And I'm hurt course, by it. I'm hurt by it. <laughs> ah, you're triggered anyway. Yeah. yeah. Look at the, I just, I will say this though, like routines sometimes for, I mean, I think for everybody, they, you know, they, they, they do bring a sense of comfort and calmness, you know, they, like they a, there's a safe, there's a safeness to routines. So I don't want to just shut out routines. I just wanted to say my piece. <laughs> oh yeah. I don't, I'm not either. I'm not either. Cause routine, like I realized that that was a big part of me growing up was routine and, and that routine of not going to work and can, and like for you being out of your routine after being literally close to death, like how, like, like that's got to change your perspective on routine. <laughs> right. You, you have to rebuild yourself, but yeah, I was always wound very, very tight. You know, if you think about all the things that were going against me, I, grew up in poverty we were the, we were how, how to word it and it's funny I was trying to explain this to somebody we were the bottom of the middle class if that made any sense so but it was a struggle you know my parents both had two or three jobs so I was cooking dinners by myself at nine doing my own laundry great it added to me being an independent person but being such an adult at such a young age also does something to your psyche and then I had, you know, a gift and I lived in a house that was over a hundred years old. So I had all sorts of stuff going on and you couldn't talk to anybody about what was going on because they would think you're, you know, it's so it always put me in this state of what did I just say? Are, are people going to see me a certain way? And all my friends, you know, they had money, you know, and I was with the really smart people. So it was constantly uh, worried about people pleasing. Are they going to accept me even though I don't have all of this? And they did because they're like, we love you. And they just took me everywhere with them because of the person that I was, but inside was always internally worried about that. But yet, so it was as you got older, that just winds tighter and tighter and tighter. And <laughs> it's funny that you brought up something because we may be connecting here on the energy level because you said <laughs> something that I say to my friends. I have a group of friends that I've known for many, many years. Okay. Long before I was a music, like long before I was like in a band and stuff. So, but we go camping every year and I always feel like I have to perform because I feel like, like I have to do something. Like I have to 
brings something to it. Like mm-hmm. being there isn't enough. So it's odd that you have that same, like it's, it's, and of course you saying that you grew up at a bottom of the middle class level as a female is probably even worse because not only are you dealing with, with, with just having to deal with being growing up, but then you have to deal with all the female things that come with that too, because there's a lot more pressure on females than there is men for sure. And especially when your boy, like, doesn't matter how old you are, you can throw on clothes <laughs> and girls can't do that. And girls yeah. are way meaner. So what I'd like. I've, yeah, I've definitely been through it a little worse um, because I didn't talk about this in the book and I only shared this in, in a video that I did. I had already gone through a succession of things before this even happened. Um, when I was 18, we couldn't figure out something medically that was going on with me from like 13 to 18. Turns out that I had endometriosis. It wasn't something that was really found or talked about it with girls who were this young. And my dad saved my life with that. I could not walk. I had been on all sorts of medicines. And he carried me in and he dropped me on the, uh, the desk of a specialist. He was the only urogynecologist in New York State at the time. So that's 1998, 1999. And said, go ahead, call child neglect. He was willing to get arrested and just left. He did not know what else to do. So this is how high, you know, so I had a role model of how. There's your role model right there. <laughs> Look at that beautiful feline. Ah. Oh my God. What's there your that. name? Oh, it's Mola. He finds a way on camera every time. Ah, Mola. I love you. Go away. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Really, not the time. I ended up having, they said, we're just going to take a look. And it ended up being a three and a half hour surgery. And they told me I will never have children. And I was 18. Oh, they told me uh, if I have a child in two years, then I would have one. If not, I would never have a child. And you're forced to make that decision when you're 18 or 19. What are you going to do? <laughs> like, and I was in a long-term relationship, you know, as a young adult, but you turn it, what were you, come on. I, so I gave up the right to have children. So I was already going through all these choices and acceptance and I choose career and never mind. I'm going to college. I'm going to do this. And I didn't have my son until I was 30. He was surprised. <laughs> so yeah so I've already been through some struggles but so I don't know was that like practice for the real thing that was coming through for me I don't know isn't it always practice <laughs> isn't it because as an energy practitioner yourself and as as an energy healer like isn't it always about that well yeah lessons at, learned it's funny how many S- times did that card come out it seems like I, I was actually going to say that before even Will said that it just seems uh, you know bringing up the the physical pain of it you know it's like at you know what eight however old you were i'm sorry 16 something like that 13 to 18 i was 18 yeah i was having that problem from 13 to 18 yeah so that's a lot of pain i mean you know six months before i was in this auto accident at six or seven months uh, my son was always in karate and i was teaching high school and a student Uh, pretended to have a gun in his pocket and told me he was going to shoot me. And he had already had it out for me for a while. And I kept emailing and documenting and everybody's like, stop overreacting. Because at that time I was like an uptight person, you know, so like Kelly, relax, it's nothing. And then finally that, that wasn't just nothing. 
So I got moved out of the building for safety reasons. And I went into the elementary teaching land. And while all this was happening, I was training in Tang Sudo, which is uh, karate, right? And I was already up a few belts. So I was rollerblading and I was working out and was the same weight that I was when I was 25 with defined arms and muscles and all of that. Um, and I wanted that because God forbid that ever happened because we're in, you know, shooting land with students. This is crazy. And being put in that actual position of, he could have very easily had that in his pocket. And it was, for me, it was a threat of, I'm going to, you just don't know where, you just don't know when. The child meant to psychologically do that to me. Um, and I say child, even though he was, you know, 16, it just, that, that was a but why? Why did that happen to me to make me train with my son? You know, I was always sitting there on the sidelines and I said, ah, I think I'm going to learn now because that was scary. Let me join. And because I joined, that was why I didn't get as messed up as I did. Like, I, it could have been worse. How fitting yeah. that that we're in um, Mental Health Awareness Month and, you know, this pops up and because there's no well, there's no physical, you know, broken this or, you know, metal rods inside. So you know, you must be okay, even though yes. there's there's yeah, a stigma of, right there, right? That's what I mean. That's why I said that. It's like we're in the we're in the midst of Mental Health Awareness Month, and and this is you know this is yeah. happening still. It happens on you know everywhere. It's just like how it it actually makes me kind of nauseous to like you know what I mean. You're going to all these different specialists for for what? Because you 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 like to do that and you like to spend money and you know what i mean it's like yeah there's real there's real issues here and uh because you know you're not limping or whatever we don't we don't see it we're gonna yeah. dismiss we're gonna dismiss it mm -hmm. yeah it's terrible my psychologist and neuropsychologist that i talk about that in the book is um they said if you walked around with a bandage strapped around your head people would get it so uh, i also talked about a compensating device in the book of you know, being so comfortable in your own skin that just sharing it. So I, like, for example, a police officer was telling me, you know, directions in a building during this. And I looked at him and I said, can you say that again? And he said it again. And you could see his face is starting to get frustrated. I said, uh, so you meant left when? And he immediately got frustrated. And I put my hand up and I said, I have a traumatic brain injury and I no longer can follow fast directions. So what's the answer here? And he goes, I am so sorry. And then he goes, follow me. And then I learned, I'm just going to announce this everywhere because I don't care. So, so I don't, I don't care. So, you know, even when I'm at work, um, I have something called the 504. It's for teachers. It's for students, right? You know, so if something is happening and going on with me, you know, there's protection. And it's like the kids are 150% safe. This is just do I need extra time on a task or like whatever? I mean, it's not, it's literally for health or if I need to take an extra doctor appointment during X, Y time, then I'm allowed to take that appointment. It's, it's, it's yeah. life. Let me, let me, yeah. let me say that it's life and you're human, right? So like you had mentioned diabetes, if I have to stop throughout the day and, and check, you know, you know what I mean? That's allowed. So you can't allow that and not honor this, you know? So correct. I just, I don't like that shit. I just, I just had to say my piece and. Um, yeah, it's it. hard. Um, it's hard. 
And all of my videos that I post, I mean, constantly, if you go back and look at the videos, I'm sure you've come into a few where I say, stop passing judgment. Stop passing judgment. Don't judge others. Stop and stop caring about other people's judgments because you can't make them change. Um, but you could change the way that you look at it. Uh, thank you so much for being on uh, this morning. So, so you have a book signing coming up this Saturday at the Kingston Barnes and Noble in Kingston, New York. What time is that? Tell everybody how to do it. Like, do we just show up at the store? Cause I'm going to show up at the store. Oh, I got, great. I got some new rides to take, so I'm going to, I'm going to have to show up in Kingston, I think. I would love that. So it's just one to three. It's very low key. They just put a table in front of the door and I will be right there. Um, my goal is to also set up a selfie station just so that we can take photos together. That's the teacher in me. Got to make it a party. Got to make it a party. That's right. <laughs> put out the candy dish. Put out the candy dish. Roll out the yoga mat. Let's do some Reiki. Let's get some stones going. We got That's it. That's right. <laughs> Thank you. That's awesome. How fitting is that, though? The, the 27th is the book event. And then the 28th, you said, is your birthday? Yeah, cool. I'm not going to lie. I even was praying. And I would think it was, I, I think it was last month that I, you know, the depression started coming a little bit. I told you maintenance, it happens, it comes in, it goes out. You do the work to put it back out. So I did hit a little dip and I was very upset. I started praying to my parents. I said, listen, I don't want to hide this year. This is the year that I don't want to hide. And then all of a sudden, ding, Barnes and Noble shot back. I put something out to like 10 places and they were the first one to kick back and say, May 27th. And I was like, okay, mom and dad, thanks. You pulled through. But thank you for having me on. You guys Absolutely. So thank fun. you for, yes. Thank you for being here. And anything else outside of, where can we buy the book outside of your oh. book signing at Barnes and Noble on, on this Saturday? Like where else can we get the book? See, Tim, you did ask me that and whoop, squirrel, I went off. Um, so I have a website, kellycanehealing.com. That's where you can figure out where I am. It's a whole, I didn't make the website. It looks gorgeous, uh, <laughs> but I didn't make it. Um, but I started with Amazon. Amazon publishing is what I use. So I am on Amazon. I'm on Barnes and Noble. I'm on Walmart. I'm on Ingram Sparks. I'm on, there's like a hundred sites. Some of them go over to Europe. I'm accessible anywhere. I'm even Perfect. on eBay. I thought that was funny. <laughs> wow, that's funny. Yeah. All right. There nothing wrong with being nothing wrong with being on eBay. Maybe that's a whole new, maybe that's a whole new level of celebrity when you end up on eBay. Who knows? <laughs> Timmy should know this. Timmy should know this. Timmy's ended up on eBay. Oh, that's true. I guess I have. Not my book, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, before we wrap this up, we have a couple last-minute questions. Do you have a favorite or a least favorite word? Oh, <laughs> my favorite. I probably can't say on here and say it. Listen. Oh, you can. Oh, yes, you, you can. You can. <laughs> oh, you can. I don't. That's I will say, not, Kelly, I'll we'll say, say furry if you want. I'll to. say this. The fuck you can't. That's pretty much. I mean, <laughs> okay. if I don't use that on a daily basis, it's the um, perfect word. My, my mom and I, um, my mom had rheumatoid arthritis, so her fingers were super crooked, and we'd always give each other the middle finger. So that's probably my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. That's my favorite word, too, because it's, yeah. it's, it's, you can use it as an, in any sentence, and it can be any right. form I of would, language there is. 
I was best friends with a priest in the College of St. Rose. And we sat in class together studying complicated old uh, Spanish literature. And I would go have a drink with him and everything. And people were like, you're going to hell. And I'm like, I'm not. He's a person. Like he's human. And he always thanked me for being the most real person. He went to my graduation party and I slammed my drink down in front of him. And I said, please bless my drink. Everybody at the table didn't speak to me for a week after that. They were like, that was so effective. And I'm like, why? He was laughing. I was like, and it, again, there you go. You, we're all human, you know? That's right. And we're all human. Angels can curse. They can. It doesn't right. mean I'm doing anything less spiritual. <laughs> what about a least favorite word? I have a word that just popped up into my head. Um, it's funny. It's just the word can't. Can you, you know, can't, can talk about uh, motivation within yourself. Can you or can't, or you don't want to. See, so that I take the word can't is don't want to. There are circum circumstances where certain circumstances, there's a brain injury where, you know, can't happens. But I mean, if you want to make the change, you'll make it. So if there was something that, you could do or that you would like to see done for mental health as a whole without any kind of restraint, what would it be? Keep up on the maintenance of it. You know, be self-aware. When you start to feel sad, then you do something about it. Don't let it spiral down. And it's like, I know better than anyone else. You know, I've lost a whole bunch of things and it could trigger so fast. So I had to identify my triggers be aware of them and then work on them as soon as they happen. You know, if there's a really loud sound and I'm like really shook, I know I have 12 hours to go find like a safe place and be quiet or else it's gonna like tears may come. I might be rattled so you know, okay. But if I'm sad, you know, I'll send a funny text to someone because you don't wanna talk to anybody but you know that person's gonna kick back and it forces you to have some kind of humor interaction. It's just, on the daily, just constantly, if you're mad, find a way to do breathing exercises, rub your hands under cold water, listen to classical music and meditate. I mean, it, it depends on what emotion you're in on what you need to do to help it. Kelly Kane, author, teacher, energy healer, Reiki master, you know. Survivor. Yay, I like that one the best. <laughs> Get well. Be safe. Stay above. Thank you for giving us a listen. New episodes every Wednesday. If you listen on Apple Podcasts, you can share, rate, review, and even subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. Other ways to support the show? Follow us on social media. Share the content. Share our episodes. You can also buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash above ground pod. For further concerns, show ideas, or just to say hi, you can email us at abovegroundpodcast at gmail. Once again, thank you for listening and supporting mental health. Keep the conversation going and stay above.